All right, guys, and welcome to Just a Guy Talking Football Podcast with PJ Janky. It is time, guys, for us to start our Monday review. And what we're going to call this from now on, on Monday, we're going to call it the Monday Run It Back because we picked off all the games from Sunday and we're going to be running them back, guys. So let's start off with last Thursday night's game of Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers. Detroit ended up taking this game 34-20. to It started off where it looked Detroit might look a little shaky when Jared Goff threw an interception about three plays into the game. And Packers couldn't capitalize. They got an inter- uh, they got a field goal out of it, but then Detroit went on a terror after that. Guys, they went up twenty seven to three. Their defense was dominant. Five sacks, eleven QB hits, two interceptions on Jordan Love. They put up four hundred and one yards of total offense. David Montgomery, who was supposed to be a little injured, did not look injured at all. Thirty two attempts on one hundred twenty one yards rushing and three touchdowns. Big welcome back to him on that one. And then, guys, on the Green Bay side of things, I, the one thing that I'm kind of nervous about with Green Bay, well, there's a few things to be nervous about because they really haven't beaten any good teams yet, in my opinion, is there is no running game. Aaron Jones, five attempts, 18 yards. A.J. Dillon, five attempts, 11 yards. Now, I get it. They were down 27-3, to so they're going to be throwing the ball some more. But this offense and LaFleur's offense, especially... Even with it, when Aaron Rodgers was there, they were running the ball good. They were running the ball well. They were establishing it over the last couple couple seasons, how they'd be running the ball, and they're just not getting that done. And, I mean, we're seeing Romeo Dobbs become the go-to guy for Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love. He had nine receptions on 13 targets for 95 yards. But really, guys, I, I mean, I know it was 34-20, but the score really, I mean... And the way that it was played out, it felt like Green Bay was down 54-20, to 20, in my opinion. So, moving right along, let's run it back to the Atlanta Falcons versus Jacksonville Jaguars. And a nice home game for Jacksonville in London, by the way. So, this one started very early for us on Sunday morning. It was pretty much over before um, all of the rest of the game started at noon. So, we saw the Jacksonville Jaguars win this game 23-7. to 7. Okay, Atlanta Ritter me this. How long are we going to let this experiment play out? He was 190. He threw for 191 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, and he fumbled the ball. He's just not doing any uh, thing for your skill players, guys. And they've got Taylor Heineke that played pretty well for for Washington the last couple years, sitting on the bench. I just wonder if it's going to be sooner or later that the time has run out on this Desmond Ritter experiment, guys. Um, B. John Robinson looked okay. 14 attempts for 105 yards rushing. He added five receptions for 32 yards. But the problem is, guys, you're just not getting any other skilled players involved. Drake London had three receptions on seven targets for 28 yards. And where is Kyle Pitts? He had 21 yards in this game. He's had one game with five receptions. Every other game, he's only had two receptions. That's just not the way to utilize this guy. And maybe it's just me. Maybe he's not picking up the play books because, I mean, Janu Smith, for a tight end for Atlanta, he had six receptions for 55 yards, so I don't know what the heck's going on there, there guys. I, I just Atlanta might have to figure it out sooner or later. But let's go to the um, Jacksonville side of the thing, guys. I mean, they didn't put up huge numbers. They didn't really need to because, I mean, 
you know, uh, Desmond Ritter did throw them a touchdown, by the way, as well, on one of those interceptions. So they they did what they had to. Sunshine put up 207 yards passing with a touchdown. Christian Kirk, he, he he's definitely dominating the wide receiver room there. Um, he had eight receptions on 12 targets for 84 yards. Uh, Calvin Ridley did add a touchdown, but he only had two receptions total for 38 yards. Defense looked good and looked in control the whole game. Four sacks, two INTs, like I mentioned. So there you go from the London game. Moving right along to an NFC East matchup in between the Washington Commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles. We saw this one going in overtime, guys, but the Eagles held on to win, 34-31. to This is a division game, like I talked about, guys, so it's really closer. The main thing is Washington did a heck of a job. They led at half, 17-10, to and they did not back down from Philly at all to begin the game. Sam Howell threw for 290 yards and a touchdown, and he threw a great last-second score to tie up the game. Now, my question is, and they asked Ron Rivera about it too, I believe, that why don't you just go for two then? If you're tying up the game with, with no time left, go for two for the win. Don't go into overtime, especially when you're playing on the road. He said his guys were tired. I get it. What can you do? So Philly, I mean, Philly hung around and did their thing. Like I said, they were down 17-10, but the main thing is they Hurts got the ball into his playmaker's hands, and that playmaker that day was A.J. Brown. Nine receptions on 13 targets for 175 yards and two touchdowns. Now, Jalen Hurts did throw for 319 yards total, but it was pretty much the story was A.J. Brown being the winner of the Philadelphia Offensive MVP of the game. uh, DeAndre Swift, he did okay. He had 56 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Philly had five sacks. They did have 11 penalties for 80 yards, guys. That's not going to get it done. That's, I think, why Washington was kind of hanging around. The main thing that I'll say about Philly and about them winning this game is they capitalized and took points when they needed to, and that's going to be a big uh, factor in one of the games that it comes up later. You got to capitalize. You got to take the points when you can. So they were four for four on field goals, guys. That's the thing. They kept putting up points. They kept putting up points. They kept saying, "Hey, we're going to be back in this game. Let's just keep adding on, keep adding on." And they ended up winning it, thirty-four, thirty-one, and to remain unbeaten. All right, let's run it back with the Baltimore. Ravens versus the Cleveland Browns, guys. This is an any AFC North matchup. This one was a little bit more disappointing than I thought it was going to be with uh, Deshaun Watson being out. And then we saw uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, DTR, go in there, which he, he did look good in the preseason, guys. But, man, it's a rough game to have your first game against the Baltimore Ravens. It was a very ugly game. He only threw for 121 yards passing, no touchdowns. There was really no running game to talk about. There was really no passing game to talk about. The Cleveland defense did okay. I mean, they held Baltimore to just 297 yards. But the main thing is, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens have Lamar Jackson. And he just got it done. He was 187 yards passing with two touchdowns. He had 27 yards rushing. And he had two touchdowns on the ground again. So... He is going to get you on that. The only thing that I worry about with Lamar Jackson is he's got to watch those fumbles. He runs around with that, you know, loaf of bread in his hand when he's holding on to the football, not tucking away, and they fumble, and it, it fumbles happen a lot with that. We did see the return of Mark Andrews with no Rashad Bateman and no Odell Beckham Jr. in the game, and so he made up for it with 80 yards uh, receiving and the two touchdowns from Lamar Jackson. Say Flowers added in with 56 yards receiving. 
Baltimore is a force to be reckoned with, guys. They had that one bad loss against Indianapolis. Other than that, they've been taking care of business and doing what they need to do. All right, here's uh, another big uh, division matchup, which was at the AFC East this time. We saw the Buffalo Bills welcome the Miami Dolphins into town and welcome them into town. They did because they beat up on them 48-20. to 20. Now, Miami went from putting up 70 points one week and then 20 points the next. I don't get that, guys. I don't know what happened. I don't know if they're just tired from all of the running that they did last week. But I, uh, they only had three. I mean, they still had put up 393 yards of offense. And you saw A-Chan rush for eight times for 101 yards. But other than that, guys, it was very quiet on the Miami Dolphins' uh, skill position front. Raheem Mostert, he had seven attempts for nine yards. Uh, they kept the... Uh, Dolphins wide receivers in check. That's uh, Jalen Waddle for 46 yards and Tyreek Hill for only 58 yards. That's that's a, not going to get it done, guys. Um, Miami's definitely, you know, they've had a lot of penalties too. They ate eight penalties for 90 yards. And that's the thing, guys. Tua did okay, but, the, you know, and the Miami defense, they gave up 414 yards of total offense. They just, I mean, Fangio is not a blitzer. I get it, guys, but they're going to have to figure out some ways to put up some more pressure on the quarterback. They had a couple sacks, but they need more pressure. And, I mean, I kind of feel like they need Jalen Ramsey back, but that's not happening until December. As for the other side, guys, we saw Buffalo, and they are rolling. So I'll be the first to admit it. I mean, the season's not over yet, but uh, Buffalo is looking a lot better than I thought they would, especially at the beginning of the season. Josh Allen, 320 yards passing with four touchdowns. I mean, they didn't have much going on the ground. They didn't really need it. And I don't know if anybody recognizes this, but, I mean, Stephon Diggs had six receptions for 120 yards and three touchdowns. Really, Miami? Really? Did you not know that that Buffalo throws Stephon Diggs the ball like 90% of the time? Really, Miami? That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm noticing. If I'm noticing it, Miami Dolphins, you play them twice a year. You play them twice a year, and I'm sure in all of that film that you watch, you see Stefan Diggs catching the ball. So, needless to say, Miami, wake up. Watch the tape. Stefan Diggs is a big part of the Buffalo Bills offense. That's just a tip for you guys for next time out. You know, do with it what you'd like. Okay, now we're running it back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the New Orleans Saints. This was a domination game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, guys. They put up 353 yards total offense. They were 3-for-4 in the red zone. They had three sacks and an interception and two forced fumbles on their defense. Baker Mayfield experiment is still going okay in there in there in Tampa Bay with 246 yards passing, three touchdowns and an interception. He did add eight rushes for 31 yards on the ground too. We saw Chris Godwin being the main target uh, for his liking this game. Eight receptions for 114 yards. On the New Orleans side, guys, we saw Derek Carr played, but he did not play well. Uh, It was a question if he'd play all week. He was limited to practice, and really, he was limited. He had 127 yards in the air. Alvin Kamara returned from his suspension, but that wasn't really that great either. 11 attempts for 51 yards on the ground, and he added 13 receptions. 13 receptions for 33 yards. So... Uh, you could do that average in your head. It's not that much, okay? And then the other thing that I'm going to mention about the New Orleans offense, which hasn't played amazing, but has managed to win most weeks. And, I'm, I mean, New Orleans isn't going to be an offensive powerhouse. I get it. 
But what they do do well is get Chris Olave usually involved in the game. And guess what happens? They've been winning those games with that they get Chris Olave involved. But in this game, Chris Olave had one reception for five yards. Now, Tampa Bay was harassing Derek Carr. I get it. But my goodness, got to get that guy the football, man. He, you get that you get your playmakers of football and you tend to be in or winning games all right here we go let's move on to uh the first battle of beaten teams i'd like to call it where the minnesota vikings visited the carolina panthers and the minnesota vikings ended up being victorious so they are off the beaten streak i should say when they won 21 to 13 Okay, this game was a lot closer than I thought it would be, guys, but in the end, Minnesota took care of business. Kirk Cousins, only 139 yards passing in the air, which is just kind of crazy for how pass-happy they could be. But he had two touchdowns, both of them to Justin Jefferson, six uh, who had six receptions for 85 yards. The main thing is, guys, they're starting to get their ground game going. We saw Alexander Madison, 17 attempts for 95 yards rushing, and that's the thing. They're going to start chewing away. You start chewing away, you don't have to be that pass happy. Look, Kirk Cousins only had 139 yards in the air, and you still managed to win. The main thing that we saw that happened in this game, too, guys, was we saw the Vikings defense actually play a little bit. They got five sacks on Bryce Young who did return from a slight uh, ankle injury that he had the week before. He's still looking a little shaky, though. 204 yards in the air, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, but he did fumble it. The main thing is, guys, in the red zone, Carolina was 0 for 3. You can't do that. You really can't do that to try to win games. I mean, Carolina, they we all knew that this is going to be a trying, building year for them. But for right now... It is moving very, very slow. And they can't get a running game going. I mean, C.J. Hubbard had uh, 14 attempts for 41 yards. And their big free agent signing of Miles Sanders had 13 attempts for 19 yards. It's just not going to get it done, guys. Just not going to get it done whatsoever. Of course, Carolina's defense is still helping them stay in these games. They had two sacks. They had two interceptions. And one of them, they ran back to the house. So, you know, at the end of the day, Carolina is struggling and they're going to continue to struggle and the main thing is they don't have a first round pick because they gave it to the bears as we move on to the denver broncos versus the chicago bears now this is the game i was actually in attendance for so i could probably go on and on and on about how this game was but i'm going to try to keep it brief on this run it back okay the main thing is denver what a comeback they were down 28-7, to and they were 3-for-3 three three in the red zone, and Russell Wilson, 223 yards passing, three touchdowns. McLaughlin looked great on the, on, the, on the ground for them. He had a good spark for their running game, seven attempts for 72 yards. That defense, though, oh my goodness, that defense. Um, they gave up four, 471 yards total offense to the lowly Chicago Bears, who I move on to now. Now, Justin Fields saw himself have a career day of 335 yards in the air, four touchdowns. He did throw one interception at the last play from um, from basically for, for the Bears in the game. And he did have a fumble that w- was picked up, scooped and still gored, and run to the end zone that actually ended up tying the game. Guys, we saw basically it come down to one thing for the Bears, and that was... Late in the fourth quarter, about three minutes left, 
They had a fourth and one at about at the at the Denver 18. They came up to the line, looked like they were trying to draw Denver off sides, whichever they call a 30-second timeout. They come back from that timeout, and instead of trying to kick a field goal when the score is tied 28-28 and put it on your defense, they decide to try to go for it from the shotgun. And he hands it off to Khalil Herbert. And instead of giving the, getting the yard, he gets a half a yard. And from there, Denver goes down in about three plays that felt like maybe two. I mean, it was one big long play, but they were within field goal range of probably two or three plays. And they went down, kicked a field goal, picked off Justin Fields, and that was it. The basic thing, guys, is Chicago gave this game back to Denver. And that is squarely on the call to go for it on fourth and one when you don't put up points. What did I t- say about the, the the Philadelphia Eagles earlier, guys? They capitalized and put points on the board when they needed to. The game wasn't necessarily going their way at that time, but they kept putting up points. That's what good teams do. You put points on the board. As we see, when losing teams find ways to lose, guys. Winning teams find ways to win. That's what a wise man once told me. But anyways, so the Bears keep finding very interesting ways to lose, guys. And really, frankly, I'm not shocked. Okay, moving right along, guys. We have another kind of shocker game for me in this run it back. And that was the Cincinnati Bengals visiting the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans cleaned up on the Bengals in this one, guys. 27-3. Since he got off and started and marched right down the field, first drive, and put up three points. They kind of stalled in the red zone. But that was all you could pretty much write home about the whole game about Bengals offense. They had only 211 yards total offense. And if I'm Joe Burrow in Cincinnati Bengals, I might start to get worried, guys. They had Burrow only had a set, 165 yards in the air. Chase had 73 yards of that. But that was pretty much all that we could write. Because Ryan Tannehill who obviously has been listening to this podcast, and I've been maybe calling for him to sit, decided to have himself a little bit of a game and throw for 240 yards, uh, a touchdown, and an interception. But at the end of the day, his team won the game. Main reason why they won the game, though, is because they remembered who they were and they started handing the ball off to Derrick Henry over and over and over and over again. He had 22 attempts for 122 yards rushing, a touchdown running, and he had a little... Uh, trickery jump pass touchdown throwing in the game too. So that's how the Titans do it, guys. They just kind of lull you to sleep. They run you, they run you, they run you. They play good D, and they hold you to about three points. Okay, so moving right along to the Los Angeles Rams visiting the Indianapolis Colts as we saw another game going to overtime from the Sunday morning. All right, guys, in this one, the LA Rams put up 467 total yards of offense they jumped up to a 20 to 0 lead and they kept that lead all the way into halftime. Matthew Stafford looked like he was on for most of the game. 319 yards passing, touchdown and an interception. And the only reason that I want to bring this up is cuz I talked about it last weekend. Oh wow. Look at that. The Rams get the running game going and the Rams get back in the win column. Told you guys this last week. Sean McVay likes to run the ball. When they start to run the ball, it frees up the pass game. Even though that I know their pass game works great and Nakua looks amazing with 163 yards rece- uh, receiving on nine uh, on nine receptions for in a touchdown, 
it's all based on the running game for them. Kyron Williams, 25 attempts for 103 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. That's why the Rams are winning these games. They've got Cooper Cup coming back next week, supposedly. The main thing is they got to keep this running game going. And then they've got Nakua and Cup to start throwing to us, as well as Tyler Higby and Tutu Atwell. So they're going to be a dangerous team. I think the Rams are going to be a little bit better than we thought they could be if they continue to run the football like they did yesterday. Now let's go to the other side of the game, which was the Indianapolis Colts. Main thing is they fought hard. Anthony Richardson, 200 yards in the air with two touchdowns. He had 56 yards on the ground and a touchdown. They tied it up with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. They were down 23 to nothing and fought all the way back behind two successful two-point conversions, which I'm pretty impressed by. They just didn't have enough to stop that. Rams offense in the end but hey my hat's off to the Colts they're playing some ball they're playing some tough ball I know Jonathan Taylor doesn't want to be there but I'm really thinking if Jonathan Taylor can come back I think you got to try to get him in there try to see if he could start to work with his team because he is a better threat than Zach Moss I'm taking nothing away from Zach Moss he did have a good game with 70 yards on the ground But Jonathan Taylor, especially if you guys are trying to trade him, maybe showcase him a little bit. And Jonathan Taylor, maybe if you want to get traded, get showcased a little bit. Prove that you're healthy. Get back out there. Start running the game. Start running the ball under this offense and see if we can't drudge up a little bit more uh, interest in uh, putting Jonathan Taylor to another team. But that's just my thought on that, guys, because I know there's a lot of rumors swirling around, but maybe he's not healthy enough to come back quite yet. All right, and to another game from Sunday morning that caught, I think, basically everybody off guard, which was the Pittsburgh Steelers visiting the Houston Texans, and we saw the Houston Texans control and win this game 30-6. to Boy, I don't have much to really say about Pittsburgh on this one, guys. They were 0-2 in the red zone. They didn't even put up any points to the third quarter. Yeah, Najee Harris looked a little bit better running the ball on 14 attempts on 71 yards. Kenny Pickett got injured in this game. His It's a knee injury. Supposedly, they lucked out because it's not too significant yet, but I haven't heard the official word. So it doesn't seem like it's a torn ACL. I don't know any other stuff than that. The main thing that I'll say is for a Pittsburgh Steelers defense that looks so dominant in the first parts of the season had zero sacks. Zero sacks on a young Houston Texans team and a young Houston Texans offensive line, in my opinion. But hey, here we go. We got the Houston Texans, so on the reverse side, they were taking care of business. 451 yards total offense, guys. They were two for three in the red zone. C.J. Stroud, 306 yards in the air, two touchdowns. And Houston, Houston, come in, Houston. We have a running game. That's right. 24 attempts on 81 yards for Damian Pierce. And that's the thing that you got to start seeing. He was doing nothing really going, but it's a big thing in this league, as I've been talking about in a couple of these other games. You start to get the running game going, and guess what? All of a sudden, everything's happening on offense. Okay, we saw Nico Collins uh, be the main target for C.J. Stroud. Seven receptions for 168 yards, and he caught his two touchdowns. And the main thing is, guys, Houston got to uh, Pittsburgh and got to him early. Three sacks. And they just made, uh, they just controlled the game pretty much the whole time. So 
We'll move on to these afternoon games for you. Well, let's run it back to the Las Vegas Raiders versus the, versus the Los Angeles Chargers. That one is so hard for me to say, guys. I always want to say Oakland, and I always want to say San Diego, but I always have to sit there and stop. Las Vegas, LA, Los Angeles. Okay, perfect. Now that you guys know that, we'll go on to the Raiders, who did not start uh, Jimmy G. He was hurt. So we saw Aiden O'Connell get in there for his first start. Listen, not uh, not an easy spot for them to be uh, playing. They were on the road. Now I know, I know, LA Chargers, it's not really their home. It's the Rams' home. I get it. But he did okay. 238 yards in the air. He did throw a touchdown, or he did rush for a touchdown. He did throw an interception. He did have two fumbles. He was harassed by the Chargers' defense, guys. Solely harassed by the main Charger on this uh, from this game, which was Khalil Mack. Holy goodness. Six sacks, guys. Ten tackles. Two assists. Four QB hits. And a pass defense. My goodness. Talk about the defensive uh, game of the week for anybody was Khalil Mack. Uh, We did see Justin Herbert play okay, 167 yards in the air, a touchdown. He did add two touchdowns on the ground, so not too bad. I still think that the Chargers overall, guys, they're missing Mike Williams, who they just lost last week to torn ACL. Their running game looked okay. Kelly kind of had 65 yards on the ground. Austin Eckler is the main thing that kind of sparks up this offense. Now, the Chargers are going into a bye. I think we're going to see... Austin Eckler come back after that bye and start to kind of get this Chargers team rolling again. Now, the only thing I'm going to say, and then watching the kind of highlights and going over this stuff with the game, is that the Chargers tried to do Chargers things again, guys. And that is, they had a third and 10 from their own 11. Las Vegas, no timeouts left. So instead of running the football you know, to run off some more clock and then eventually punting and giving the Raiders any chance. They tried for a 51-yard pass. Now, they Chelsea Palmer actually ended up catching the ball, but my goodness, man. They tried to almost give the ball because they would have stopped the clock. I think they would have given the Raiders more time. It doesn't matter. It didn't happen. It just is a crazy, crazy, crazy thing that the Chargers... Every week, just try to do a Chargers thing to almost lose the game, but they ended up not. So, my hat's off the Chargers. Good for you guys. You guys are now 2-2. Two and two. Okay, here we go. We saw an NFC West matchup of the Arizona Cardinals visiting the San Francisco 49ers. Now, guys, Cardinals didn't play bad in this one. They moved the ball pretty well like they have all season. Josh Jobs did okay, but they just couldn't keep up with this 49ers machine that is rolling right now. Okay, so I don't know if you guys knew this, but it was uh, Christian McCaffrey Day in San Francisco because he went berserk. He had 20 attempts rushing for 106 yards on the ground with three touchdowns. He also added seven receptions in the air for 71 yards and a touchdown. Now, they they did have Elijah Mitchell out, who's his normal backup running back. But they just went berserk with McCaffrey, guys. We did see Brandon Ayuk go for uh, six receptions for 148 yards receiving. And that's pretty much all that Brock Purdy needed. He had 283 yards in the air and one touchdown. But the main thing that I want to bring up about the San Francisco win, guys, 
And I know it's just against the Cardinals, so whatever you want to say. I mean, San Francisco was 5-for-5 five five in the red zone. Debo Samuel did not have a catch in this game, guys. He had three attempts rushing for six yards. And then George Kittle only had one catch for nine yards. Now, I get it. They were playing the Cardinals, but they still rolled with this. That's how scary it is. They put up, still put up 35 points without... Debo Samuel and George Kittle doing an, a thing about it. That's how crazy and scary the San Francisco 49ers team is going to be. The only thing that I'll say that they need to maybe work on a little bit was the defense did not have a great game. They had a sack. They had a couple QB hits. Yeah, they only gave up a couple touchdowns. I get it. But, man, you know, for how that defense usually plays, it was just not the usual thing that we see from San Francisco, but it doesn't matter. They're rolling. They're scoring points. Brock Purdy's looking calm and cool and collecting that offense, and that's what matters. Okay, let's go on to another era, uh, afternoon game to run it back, and that was the New England Patriots visiting the Dallas Cowboys, and I think New England wished they didn't even visit at all. Um, ugh, it was a bad game for them. Mac Jones, 150 yards in the air. Then after that, he fumbled one time that was scooped and scored by the Dallas defense. He also threw two interceptions, which one of them was run back for a touchdown. Just not a great day. He was even pulled for Bailey Zappi later in the third quarter. I mean, here's the deal, guys. New England didn't do anything after uh, the fir- they, they cooked the field goal on like basically the first drive. They No real rushing attack, which I get because you're down by so many points the whole game. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, 14 attempts for 30 yards. Main thing that I worry about with the Patriots, guys, is what wide receiver help are they getting? Hunter Henry was basically the leading receiver with 51 yards. But where's Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker, just all of it? They just don't have any wide receivers to talk about. Juju had one reception for 14 yards. Devontae Parker had two receptions for 33 yards. If they want this offense to start rolling, they they need some help up there, and I don't know what it's going to be. But Dallas, I'll tell you what, that defense, they didn't even do a lot of sacks against New England. They only had two, but, man, they just looked like in control of the game the whole time. Then that's because their defense was scoring every opportunity that they had. Dallas offense wasn't crazy, guys, but it didn't really need to be. We saw Prescott go with 261 yards in the air and Pollard with 47 yards on the ground. That's basically, I mean, they didn't need much. And they moved to 3-1, and and that's what they wanted. They took care of business against Belichick and his squad. Okay, and let's go to the final running back from Sunday, which was the evening game, which we saw the Kansas City Chiefs face off against the New York Jets. Now, Kansas City ended up winning this game 23-20. to But, guys... Kansas City jumped up to the uh, lead of uh, 17 to nothing lead. Then it got weird. Mahomes definitely didn't look like himself. 203 yards passing, a touchdown, two interceptions. Could have been a third interception. We had a controversial defensive holding call against Sauce Gardner that wiped away the third interception. The main thing is, guys, the Kansas City Chiefs, we saw Isaiah Pacheco rush really good on the ground, 20 attempts for 115 t- yards and a touchdown. And we saw Travis Kelsey do Travis Kelsey things. He had 60 yards in the air. This is a thing that I'm a little bit worried about with the Chiefs. They're wide receivers. I don't know. Not, nobody's stepping up in the place of that Tyree Kill 
uh, role. Not that they have a Tyreek Hill on their team, but man, no one's stepping up into that uh, zone. They had Juju Smith-Schuster last year that was catching some passes for him. But no one's stepping up in that role this year, that's for sure. We saw Rice with three receptions for 32 yards. Kadarius Tony two receptions for 22 yards. Now, they were playing a pretty good Jets defense that was pumped and ready to play for prime time. But someone in that wide receiver room has to start stepping up. I mean, we saw Sky Moore have zero receptions on two targets. I don't know what's going on with Kansas City in that wide receiver room, but somebody has to step up. Okay, now let's flip this hat and let's go to the Zach attack from the New York Jets. Hey, hats off to them. They definitely looked a little bit better. 245 yards in the air, two touchdowns. Good for you, Zach Wilson. I mean, they held up pretty good against that uh, Kansas City Chiefs defense. They still gave up two sacks, but still. Main thing is, guys, the Jets. What is up with their running game? I did see Brees Hall. Had 56 yards on the ground. I get it. On six attempts. But guys, 43 yards of that was on one run. So that means he was had five attempts for 13 yards. And then he had one attempt for 43 yards. That's just scary to me, guys. Because we also saw Dalvin Cook have five attempts for 16 yards. So once again, the Jets offense is... It did okay. But it's running stagnant because their rushing attack is just not there. Nathaniel Hackett, we got to get somebody somebody going on the rushing attack. Brees Hall has skill. Dalvin Cook will will be looking more midseason form here soon. He did not have a training camp. I get it. But to open up this offense even more, you got to get this running game involved. Garrett Wilson had nine receptions for 60 yards. Alan Lazard, three receptions for 61 yards. But was it expected... How they played? No. They played really, really well, especially on primetime. And man, they had a chance to win it. But at the end of the day, Jets, you got to get some more offense going, and especially on that running game. All right, guys. That's it for the running back from Sunday. Let's give you my Monday picks and see how we're doing for tonight. Again, where we have Seattle Seahawks visiting the New York Giants. Guys, when I picked this game the other day, it had the Giants minus one. Now, this was last Thursday because I always pick on Thursdays. Now, the spread has moved to the Seattle minus two. So, I'll tell you what, guys. It doesn't matter to me. I like the Giants in this game. I think the Giants are going to represent and play well at home. They've had a lot of time to think about this game and and think about how their offense has been going because they played... San Francisco uh, two Thursdays ago. So they had a lot of time to think. I think the Giants are going to win. So I like the Giants straight up on the money line in this one. So I like the Giants plus two. And the over-under is at 47, guys. I like the under of 47. I just I don't see a lot of uh, scoring from either one of these teams. But I could be wrong. But let's go with the under 47. So there you go, guys. There's a little Monday preview now, tomorrow, we'll have it the run it back from the Monday night game. And I'll also give you our post-week four power rankings and talk about any quick hits and news. But other than that, guys, thanks for joining. Just a guy talking football podcast with PJ Janky. Other than that, I'm out.